Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Talk It Out. I'm your host, Brandon Sams, the Assistant Opinions Editor here at the University Star. This week, we will be di- <laughs> we will be discussing social anxiety, and with me, I have Greg Ariano and Rivers Wright. So, Greg, why don't you break down to me your general opinions on social anxiety? Well, in social anxiety, in the way that mainstream American culture kind of sees it, it's this very disrespected and not really seriously accredited um, kind of thing where we just kind of expect people with social anxiety to get over their issues without really trying to find out what it's like to seriously have social anxiety. Okay. And Rivers, uh, why don't you give me the general view of social anxiety from your perspective? I view it as something that should be talked about because it is it is an issue, but it shouldn't be blown as widely out of proportion as it is. And I don't want to say people are taking it too seriously because things should be taken seriously, but there's just a degree of seriousness that it's being taken to that it shouldn't be. Okay. Uh, At the start of your column, you write, uh, quote, social anxiety should be viewed as a state of mind rather than a mental disorder, end quote. Uh, Why exactly do you think social anxiety should not be classified as a mental disorder? Because I view it as a state of mind. And I mean, that's just me, of course. Probably other people think of it something different. But the way I see it is it's a state of mind. It can be something that can be worked through without needing a doctor to do it. Um, I understand sometimes it's harder for other people, but it's all about how you perceive yourself and how you perceive the world around you, which has a lot to do with, I feel, has a lot to do with social anxiety. And if you change your state of mind, you'll change your outlook and how you feel about things. Okay. Greg, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I I think the same thing could be said about how we view depression almost, but for some reason, um, depression is this thing that gets a lot more respect than social anxiety does. And I feel like part of the reason why is because the kind of culture that we grow up in kind of subjugates everyone to the same kind of uh, the level of social prowess I guess Mm -hmm. and I feel like it's very I I feel that it's very obvious that not all people can function to that level okay Uh, Rivers also in your column you liken uh, social anxiety to a crutch that perhaps many college students use can you elaborate on that yeah the starting off the definition of social anxiety is an extreme shyness Mm -hmm. so People will use that as, no, I have social anxiety, like, I don't want to go out and to that party that I know I'll probably end up enjoying. Or they use it to say, no, I have social anxiety, I can't give this speech in front of this class when, and this isn't always the case, but it could be, oh, I didn't, they just didn't have time to prepare, so they're, oh, I have social anxiety, I can't, or they just don't want to, so they have, they use social anxiety um, as an excuse, and I understand not everyone does that. But I feel that in this culture that we also have grown up in, it's easy to use things like social anxiety as crutches. 
Okay, so to kind of piggyback off of that, Greg, I know in your uh, column you also said that ignoring social anxiety in regards to classroom performance can mm -hmm. be a liability. Can you yeah. explain? Well, um, just exactly that. Um, if a student, you know, the people with social anxiety, they're already critiquing themselves. And I also said, you know, so does everybody else. But to the same extent, someone who takes it hard on themselves as opposed to someone who has social anxiety who takes it onto themselves, I believe that in the latter case, it's a liability because if it can be the simplest mistake and you never know anyone else's limit and that simple mistake can be the thing that, you know, makes them feel like they were dumb for even trying to, for even trying to break out of that bubble. And I feel that the the chances or the possible outcomes do not outweigh the cost of forcing someone to break out of their comfort zone. So uh, I know you touched on this in your column. So do you think that students who uh, may have uh, social anxiety, do you think that they should be able to register with the Office of Disabilities to kind of get out of uh, perhaps speeches or other kind of presentations for classes? Definitely. And like how Rivers said that um, in these instances where people do use it as a crutch, I, I kind of find that very immature and almost you know disrespectful to students with um, hardcore social anxiety who really have trouble functioning at all. And I feel like if it is taken to that level, then the people who aren't serious about their social anxiety won't go through the trouble of registering with the Office of Disabilities or um, getting a note from a therapist or psychologist. So I feel like that would be a very effective way to weed out people who are serious from people who just didn't prepare and want to do their work. Okay. Rivers, do you have any thoughts on that? I don't feel they should be able to register for social mm -hmm. anxiety, and I know that sounds really harsh and yeah. really cold-hearted, but it, like I said in my column, people have to deal with other people on a daily basis. You're gonna have to, you have to have human contact. I mean, I understand computers are making a big part of, taking a big part of that out, but there's still at some point you need to have human contact and you need to learn to at least function on like a basic level. And that's where I think it needs to be worked through. And again, I reiterate, I understand people, it's harder for some, some than it is others, but Allowing them to go through disability services and kind of solidify their way out, it's that you're just help nurturing instead of helping them grow out of it, and you're okay. just nurturing their problem. So any final, Greg, what are your final thoughts? Well, um, luckily for this piece, I, I would say that I almost had a sort of preparation, given the fact that one of my best friends, um, he's almost on the borderline of agoraphobic. And um, some of the stories that I've heard him discuss of just like trying to keep a steady job, that was such a, such a tough thing for him to deal with. Um, and, you know, I'm not gonna lie to me, some of the things he said sounded absurd, but rather than focusing on my own opinions of, you know, um, 
where other people's social level should be. I, I really recognized he was serious about what it was that he was struggling with. And while, you know, human contact is something that we all need to deal with, for people with social anxiety, it's a battle just to be here. And I feel like piling on top of that with the standards that they should be as, you know, social as we are, it, I just don't think it's fair. They should be able to work at their own pace. And eventually that's what's going to bring them happiness, not being forced to present. Okay. River's final thoughts. I understand where Greg's coming from, how it they have to have it's a daily struggle for them but i just feel they're not being forced it's just we're trying to help them we don't they have to they have to want to help themselves and by saying that oh it's just a struggle to go to work it's like think of it as something you're trying to overcome and look at it as something that will make you better once you're on the other end and it it will get better okay well, folks, that's all the time that we have for today. If you have any comments or concerns, you can tweet us at University Star using the hashtag TalkItOut, or you can hit us up on our webpage, theuniversitystar.com. Thank you.